0: Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I'm pleased to share a keynote discussion from the 2019 DFARM conference featuring HealthGrades founder Kerry Hicks, who sat down with Craig Lipsett, former head of clinical innovation at Pfizer, to discuss transparency and the future of patient engagement. For details on the 10th annual DFARM event, visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Good morning, Kerry. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. So, um, I thought this will be a fun opportunity, Kerry, to talk a little bit about your experience with health grades and why you're here with a group of folks who are thinking about pharma and clinical trials and all the different topics we've been talking about digital patient experience and all these sure. different attributes. But um, I thought maybe. To get things started you can help with a little bit of context because if people in this room are like me they've seen health grades it's kind of come up maybe they type their doctor's name into google and it and it shows up as one of the first links but can you help orient folks what what is health grades why did you do this where did this come from
0: yeah so by way of uh, full disclosure i'm no longer in health grades i haven't been there for eight years so if someone doesn't like their rating i'm not the person to uh, talk to i did check uh, my no. wife's rating it's okay so <laughs> i'm right. not gonna get heat when That's i get right. home so, uh, so just uh just by way of background i'm, I'm currently ceo of a, of a boutique venture capital firm called kmg and i do have the distinct uh pleasure of serving as executive chairman uh, of uh, circuit clinical working with uh, dr khan and uh, uh his team uh, anyway, health, health Grades was founded on three enduring principles: transparency, uh, empowerment, and accountability. Uh, and we rated um, at that time, when I left, uh, roughly six specialties, all 5,000 hospitals, 60 cohorts, which are procedures or diagnoses. So all that has statistical rigor to it. We rated 17,000 nursing homes, 8,000 home health services, and then we had <coughs> data on reviews and indicative quality data on 800,000 doctors so in terms of the the overall activity uh, which I think is highly relevant here uh, and a lot of the data and statistics that I will share with you uh, don't come from health health grades are validated though by health grades experience and that is uh, although as a as a general proposition no one likes to be rated reviewed graded scored unless you score very well Right. And the irony there is, you know, anecdotally, we never received one phone call, one ugly letter from anyone that was rated five stars of saying you have it wrong. You know, we're really average. We're three. Uh, Now, we had a lot of complaints about the one stars and the three stars. But in order of magnitude, when I left, uh, we had roughly a little over a million uh, patients per day uh, selecting either a doctor or a hospital. So that purchasing decision again is thematic anymore in the consumer uh, experience, right? So you think about you know everything from hotels to restaurants to products, right? It permeates everything. And surveying, and indeed, is becoming somewhat of a pandemic. I mean, you can hardly make a move without someone sending you a survey and say, "Please, you know, opine on this." You know, I know, like, like, uh, like think about that experience. black
1: mirror uh, on Netflix where everybody's rating everything and yes. everybody in every interaction. But when people are rating in this category, is it all negative? Are people just venting when they go on to rating sites around, say, their physicians? Um, what does that look like in terms of, say, average ratings or what? Uh, what... Yeah,
0: <coughs> it's an excellent question. So the average rating is 4.4. 4.4? Okay, on, on a doctor. Okay? On health okay. grades for a doctor. Yes. So, But if you think that that's not important, the difference between 4 and 5 it's enormously important, okay? So the data is roughly four to 600% of patients are more, are, are more likely to defect or choose another provider if you score four stars or five stars. So it's measured in terms of satisfaction with four stars. That's generally what people opine about. Hey, how was your experience? I was satisfied. Five is out, outstanding, right? And I'm loyal, right? So that impact is substantial. So, if you think about an order of magnitude, there's roughly 36 million inpatient admissions per year, and there's roughly a little under a billion physician office visits. Okay, so that impact on those on the physician ratings, in particular, because that's how you know 90% of people actually access acute care, right, is yeah. through a doctor, right? So that in and of itself lends, itse- lends itself, right, to those kinds of ratings and the impact it has um, on 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 anybody's. Well, most people's decision.
1: So, consumers, when they're um, going online and rating things, um, I always felt like, you know, if it's some uh, commercial product, if it's retail, they're going to skew towards going to Yelp and posting a rating if the service is really bad. But it seems like in healthcare, when patients are going on and rating a physician, there's almost like a uh, a desire to go on and share that it's really good like they seem to if they're really happy with their doc they seem to want to be sharing that
0: yeah so you know, the the relationship between a patient and a doctor obviously is one of the most intimate right in, in our human experience right it's fundamentally different right than going to a restaurant or buying a product although Interestingly enough, and this is the reason why I think one of the calls to action is I'd adopt a strategy broadly, right, of measuring every single patient experience, right, in a clinical trial, uh, because your ability to manage anything has to be through measurement. Uh, But if you think about the top four uh, sectors uh, that are most influenced by negative ratings, it's restaurants, hotels, physician office visits, and hospitals. 22% of... People will not purchase or select if there's one negative rating. That number jumps to 59% if there's three or more. Wow! So where you're right is that is it left um, what uninitiated, or if you're or or if the strategy is we're going to be passive and not get out in front of it. I think there's enormous reputational um, danger, and it's borne out by all the evidence.
1: You threw out earlier these three principles that were sort of guiding you. And I wanna I double click on those for a bit. So you said the first one was around transparency. And does that mean to you that we shouldn't just be collecting the data, but that it should be
0: exposed? Yes, so transparency is obviously double-sided, yeah. right? You can't, can't be transparent one directional, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least not that I know of. Uh, so from just a, a pure observational standpoint, if you listen to the economics, of it, right, is that uh, unless you have price and quality transparency, you never have an efficient marketplace. Interesting. So in a world where we're
1: um, still kind of novices in this industry around measuring experience, there's a a great uh, deliverable from Transcelerate, hat tip to TJ Sharp sitting over there. (laughs) Um, so there's, uh, I think, a lot of great momentum in the industry around measuring uh, of experience. But the transparency angle, being uh, we have to not just measure so that we can improve, but you got to get that you got to get that information out there and into consumers' hands.
0: Right. I mean, so again, another statistic: 63% of patients will make a decision based upon the quality thoroughness of. Uh, a profile for a physician right so again another another action item would be you know adopt a strategy where you're where you're expressing as many places possible right the richest and most comprehensive data set because patients rely on that to make a decision i'll tell you one kind of funny story anecdotally we were working with a hospital in new york and there are three main profit drivers cardiac orthopedics obstetrics not any big surprise right well so we were uh, we had a unique phone number, not to get through the mechanics of this, but we're trying to measure what are, the, what are the key terms and the actionable points that would trigger an appointment request. Okay, So this time there was this B-roll film, which is really pretty expensive right now, not with all the video tools that, are, that, that exist today. And we were you know, writing you know, the editorial script for the cardiac people and the orthopedic people, and we saw this huge bump. 50, 60, 70%, right? In appointment requests based upon a video, right? And they're you know, telling about their care philosophy, right? Well, we went to the obstetrics department and the, the chair there, this, this woman, she goes, I'm not, I'm not using your editorial script. And she went on and blithered for three, five minutes about just what I thought was just a bunch of nonsense. Oh, hers was 500%. The, again the change between the baseline mm-hmm. because again that familiarity the patients are seeking right in terms of that precursor to intimacy so even even if you're referred 81 percent of those patients will research and read online reviews on a doctor even a, even after being referred wow um so you have you, got transparency
1: what was this was the second accountability or is that empowerment empowerment what is that what does that mean empowerment is that empowering for the patient is it empowering for the provider I think it's both yeah
0: I, I, I think i think you know what 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 we should all seek to do is to broker a better informational exchange right between a patient and the provider right and that means you know trying to be a conduit whereby we're helping Make, make a selection right, but also reinforcing that decision over time, which is one of the things I think the you know, one of the action I- items, at least for me, is, you know, if you measure uh, every single uh, encounter with a patient in your clinical trials, you'll have something to base decisions on rather than I've, I've surveyed one or two patients, and I think that's generalizable on the five million that have been through clinical trials. I think that's, um, prone to a lot of error. And and what's the accountability piece then? So accountability is, you know, we, we all are right measured at some point. I mean you think about in corporate America, what's kind of the worst time of year? Annual reviews. Mm-hmm. Right? No one's so great. Annual reviews are coming up. That's wonderful. Um, is, so uh, the accountability has to do with, you know, again, getting back to empowerment, I think that does lend itself to transparency. I think it's what Dr. Kahn was talking about yesterday about, you know, being more punctual, being on you know, you know, being more pleasant, um, those kind of things, because it, it does reinforce and it does show up in a, in a patient's experience. So when providers see
1: their ratings and their, are they taking action on that feedback beyond sending a nasty letter to Health Grade saying, I don't like being a one star? Do they take that as a call to action to to try to make improvements?
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> when we analyze this over an 11-year period of time and the one, three, and five stars. Although everyone was modestly improving, and again, this is impure in the, in, the, in, the, in the clinical quality side, those that were improving at the fastest rate were the five stars, right? So they knew, right, that every year they had to get better and they were committed to it, right? So it is daunting, right? It's to get out in front of this and say, I'm gonna measure every single you know, patient experience encounter. I, I do understand it's daunting and it's intimidating, right? But the insights that you'll glean from that, in terms of making you all better, making the patient experience better, the patient experience is is better. Then obviously the outcomes going to be better. That's all you know universally tied. So those things I think are critical. As 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 you all think about what's what's the application for you in in clinical trials. So you don't see this uh, whole experience category
1: just being a bunch of buzz that's going to. Drift away. This it's is, not a fad. No, this is not a fad. You're seeing this elsewhere right. in in consume in uh, across other consumer categories. You're looking
0: at well. So if you think about who owns product, it's Amazon, right? Google will not lose uh, when it comes to the merchant reviews, right? And that's the reason why their initiative. If you look at all Yelp and every you know, Travelocity, all of those, Expedia, all of those um, dwarf uh, are dwarf um, in comparison to Google's growth in reviews right so if you're looking at for a dog groomer you know a babysitter you know a a restaurant whatever it does predominate our decision making and it will be visited upon this sector Mm, and you see other other categories hospitality
1: or others are using that data for their own process
0: improvement to make experience uh Better from a continuous improvement right. perspective. Well, so, you know, a little company, uh, Salesforce, right? Uh, their CEO routinely says the the whole world is being remade through the eyes of the customer, mm. and in that customer relationship, um, it's really transcending and remaking delivery just across the economic waterfront. So, what
1: pulled you into this clinical trial little world that we're operating in? What 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 drew you in here?
0: But I, I was intrigued by a former uh, executive from Healthgrades who was affiliated with uh, a, a small startup uh, in trying to reimagine um, clinical trials, and, 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 and albeit I don't know much, I know one percent of what you all know, uh, any one of you, uh, and uh, Circuit Clinical, and, and I had the really the great good fortune of meeting Dr. Khan. Uh, and being involved with uh, that company. So I'm learning as I go, trying to share some of my insights and all the mistakes and all that we made. Uh, the other one I could tell you that is true with most of us in this room is if you take your healthcare experience, one thing that is, is chronically um, wrong, uh, more oftentimes is not, and try to superimpose it upon the 95% that don't have your healthcare experience, I can tell you from, from, from my personal experience that more often times it's not, is wrong, right? So I'm fond of saying, you know, five to 10% of the populace can really speak to their true clinical care, right? But 100% of those people know what their experience is. They have a perspective on it. They have a decided view of it and they're willing to share it. Uh, The other one is, uh, J.D. Power, who is a, uh, a um, partner of ours, they survey um, um, individuals in 17 uh, consumer categories, one of which is, is healthcare. They ask this kind of the same norming study to try to create, here's the baseline or the average across the country. Uh, and their average fielding surveys, three minutes, three and a half minutes, I think it is. In healthcare, the first time they priced it, they, 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 they were upside down because the average took a little over 16 minutes. Like people would not get off the phone. Because wow. they want to tell them about their healthcare experience, so that gets back to the in, both the intimacy, but also the impact that all of you make every day, right? And not tapping into that and not understanding that, I think, creates enormous exposure, uh, as opposed to getting out in front of it and really embracing it. Which, again, I'll admit, is is could be challenging. It's challenging, and it's also challenging because um, we
1: as research sponsors don't don't control the whole experience. The patient is going to an investigator who is a partner of ours, but um, I guess our control in this is who we're selecting um, as partners in that process. So are you thinking that um, sponsors should start to select investigators based
0: on experience data? Well, you would certainly say that, you know, if you believe that experience and engagement drives compliance and ultimately outcome, then you'd say, yes, yeah. all other things being equal, I'd rather have an engaged patient than
1: not. Well, that makes sense. Drawing so. <clears throat> back from your experience with health grades and now thinking about today, what were, were there any unintended consequences? Was there anything that happened in that journey that you didn't see coming that you know whether it was a positive or a negative and and i'm curious if any of those may trickle into our thinking or expectations today as we're thinking about measuring experience among uh research
0: participants and investigators yeah so i mean certainly it's all in your hands, and I, I think, and that, I think that's, that's the benefit, where you, know, you don't have to sample, right? So in the, in the statistical parlance, right, you never get to reliability if you take out randomness, right? Mm-hmm. So part of the issue is you're always going to have some bias, right? But those that routinely um, field more surveys are going to score better. Right. I think one of the unintended consequences was uh, that uh, people felt at times a a, one five star rating. Right. Was indicative of everything about that doctor. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And while that is more than likely not true. Right. I'd rather have one data point than none. Right. Because I can still factor that into my thinking. And now, you know, particularly the millennials, uh, they're. Level of understanding of how this is used in terms of the number of surveys and all that. I, you know, I think our and surveys and reviews I think is, is fundamentally different uh, than, say, my father. So that's interesting. So um, because I'm
1: I'm going to be curious to see how much volume any individual investigator gets in terms of number of reviews. And as you pointed out, some people well everybody starts off with one, right? right. But what's the minimum number of reviews that make that? that rating or review number meaningful to a to a consumer a patient who's making a decision whether what doctor to see or what investigator site is right for them um one seems small if there's just one review on there but i don't think it's going to wind up like amazon where i can you know, see 10,000 reviews right. uh, for a book, what, what does it feel is gonna end up being
0: the right minimum number for a patient for decision making? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it has to do with the segmentation, right? So in in many cases, you know, people just stop at, at, at the star, and it's four and a half, and they don't go to the number of, review, of reviews. Uh, I think, you know, at least our testing of it, it, people had more confidence if it was 10 or more. Mm -hmm. Again, that's somewhat anecdotal, just people that are trafficking to health grades. But I think it is a proxy in terms of how people feel like, well, if if there's indeed these 10 patients that went and had this experience, You know, I can rely upon that. I may not trust it, right? But that is a good first screening tool. So if you think about it, right, most people get referred to a specialist, right, and they get three names, well, or five names, right? You go find out who's in your network, right, and then you start paring them down because very few people want to make, you know, five appointments and spend a month seeing a doctor unless it's something that's terribly serious, which I I understand, admittedly, is what you do every day.
1: You um, were very generous throwing in a few um, calls to action With some of your remarks, you had mentioned as far as the the importance of measuring, if we want to improve what we're trying to do, we we have to measure, and patient experience in our trials seems to be something most in this room want to move the needle on, um, either to improve operational performance or to do the right thing for the patients who are giving up themselves to participate. What are some other calls to action you would want to leave this room with as we wrap up here?
0: yeah so understanding the, the the patient journey I think is is critically important right so end to end I think if you look at the threes measure most everything right analyze it you know contextually in terms of really that end to end journey and the and the third one is look at what disproportionately impacts the customer experience because you're not going to be able to change everything right you can't change the color of the carpet you know or the paint on the walls right but what disproportionately impacts that consumer experience so I'd, 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 I'd isolate on that and then I'll get back to my first point that I was I would also broadly distribute or syndicate the richest and deepest content and not just the what you most of the sites have a lot on the what but it's really on the who the where and the how right so it's a difference between operational data you know first patient in last patient in time to activation that's all fantastic but it's the, it, it is, it's the qualitative data that really drives uh, patient decisioning. Fabulous. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For information on the 10th Annual d visit visit theconferenceforum.org.